Good morning. How are you, Calvary family, this morning? It's good to see you. It is good to worship with you uh, in person today. And also for those of you in our online family, thank you for taking the time out of your day to make this day important, uh, to be able to worship with God's children. You know, there's something about being connected to the people of God, something about being connected to faith, to trusting God above everything else that gives you a victory and a strength that will go beyond the knowledge, the strength, the power of anyone around you. There's something about leaning into the divine over humanity. Now I realize today you're faced with a lot of information, a lot of choices. There's a lot of emotional things that happen in your life. There's a lot of statements that are made by a lot of people. But as I reflected on this week, all of the information out there, all of the things that are battling uh, in our world, all the things that we're battling, all the things that come against us, the Lord took me to a place of gratitude for a couple of things. I want to share them with you. Number one, I'm grateful we have a great church. Aren't you? I mean, there's something about being connected to a great group of people in times of crisis, people that love you, people that support you, people that encourage you, people that believe in you, people that believe in God's best for your life. There's something about that that will just lift your spirit. And here's what I've discovered as a pastor in this season of life. Still, people need their spirits lifted. And when you're connected to a great church. Now listen, I did not say perfect. <laughs> but I think that's what makes a great church is that a great church is full of imperfect people that focus on the second thing, their great God. And here's what this week the Lord really shared with me that I think was very important. You can trust in all of the information that you are receiving out there. You can believe everything that you read or hear. And I'm not trying to make a political statement one way or another, or a vaccination statement, or a COVID statement, or a pandemic statement. This is the statement that God taught me to make. You either trust him or you don't. You either trust in a great God over your life and over every detail, the one who has made your body, who knows it oh so well, for we were all formed in his image, the one who has authority, over every day that he gives to you. Every day. The one who has authority, just as he did in the life of Job, to allow things to happen or to not happen. And in that, we can either lose ourselves in the noise of the world or we can turn our hearts back in faith to a God who genuinely loves us, who is greater than all. I hope that throughout this summer, and especially in the season of he ahead, your faith is built. That you as an individual become stronger in your relationship with God. If you do not have a life-saving, soul-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was a healer then and who is a healer now, then I pray that you will enter into the right relationship that you can have with God through His Son, Jesus. If perhaps you've waned in your faith and perhaps there have been seasons of challenge and it's gotten the best of your heart, your soul, your mind, and maybe even your strength, that by faith you will turn those things back to the Lord. And that the next season of life, you will face directly 
head on by trusting in your great God. Uh, I this week became very grateful for you, for this church, for the work that we are doing together because I know that we have a great God. And our faith in him is what continues to move us forward. Let me say a couple of things this morning before we jump into the last part of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, the last section. That's where we're going to go this morning. So as you're getting your Bibles ready, your notebooks ready, um, let me say a couple of things uh, uh, that are happening here. Um, number one, you walked in this morning and it already looks different again, doesn't it? So, so it's funny how sometimes things have to be torn down to rebuilt, be rebuilt better. Things have to, in our lives, be shaken. And then, therefore, with the right people around us, the right voices in our lives, um, and voices that have faith, voices that have our best in mind, they can help us rebuild. Well, that's what we're doing as a church. And by the way, as you look, you know, of course, this morning you see the entrance here is different. You see that the cafe is different. You see that now you can actually not use your personal fishing deck to access the worship center, but you can walk back on pavement, of which eventually we'll have even this week um, the new canopy going up there. Um, I drove by late last night. Look, the place was lit up. Um, new signage is coming for the buildings. Um, spotlights on the buildings. Like all of this is about you. It's about our great God. It's about a great church trusting in the Lord. I'm excited about that. And here's the statement. Um, I know that if you looked at it from the outside and if you listen to the news of the world and if you, if you let your emotions and all that get in involved in the process, you'd be like, what the heck are y'all doing? Like the world's going nuts. Everything's shutting down. There's so many challenges, right? But you can either live in the ways of the world or you can trust the Lord by faith and know when he gives you a mission, you have to accomplish it. You can move forward. And that's what we've determined to do. So you see that we're rebuilding the facilities now. Why? Because we're not looking back and we're not limited in the moment. We're looking ahead to what God can do. You rebuild now so that when the church and when the world opens back up, we're ready. <laughs> Not waiting on anyone else to give us the green light. We know that the Lord has given us a mission. And so I'm, I'm excited as you continue to see over the weeks ahead um, the things that happen. I ask you to continue to pray for every person that's on campus, those who are working, our contractors, the people that are here giving their time. I ask you to pray for that. I ask you to continue to pray about your role in the provision of that. These are exciting times as we prepare for the future. So I know that as we approach the fall and everything's finished, we're going to have a celebration point. It's going to be great. We're going to invite all of you to come, and we're going to do it right and look forward to celebrating that. It's going to be an exciting time. Let me also mention this. Next week, you've heard us talk about what it means to go all in. All in on the Lord and all in on your church. So next week, we're making a shift to accomplish two very strategic and specific things. First of all, all of our groups next week begin at 9 o'clock. And yes, we're going to do community even in the midst of things that are going crazy. And in that community and in those groups that begin, yes, for our preschool, groups for our children, Groups for our teenagers, and yes, groups for those of you uh, who are adults, and you'll get to hear more about that in just a moment. We're going to do those things, and we're going to jump into God's Word together. We're going to walk through some sections of God's Word together, because when you're in the Word of God, you're stronger. 
When you're in the Word of God, you grow in your faith. And so we're going to launch groups next week, 9 o'clock, and to facilitate that and to accomplish that, we're going to back up our worship hour by 30 minutes. So we're going to start worship at 1030. So next week is that shift, August the 15th. We're going all in on our groups, our Bible study, and then this moment of worship. And so for those of you online, perhaps next week's that moment for you to take the step to return. And if not, just make the note that 1030 will be on just for you to continue to encourage you as well. Great things are happening, but they happen by faith. They happen when you trust God and you move forward by faith. So I'm excited about these moments to be able to share them with you. And then one final thing before we go to Ephesians. I know that there are members in our family of faith here at Calvary. You're a part of this church. And and right now you and some of your family, you're battling um, through sickness. You're battling the virus. Um, Even this week, we know that some of you have lost someone to that. And I want you to know you are deeply loved We are praying for you as a church. Our prayer team lifts you up. And listen, you know this about me. Until God calls you home, I believe God can do a miracle. He's that good. So we don't quit on you. We don't quit on prayer, and we don't quit on miracles. That's what we do. So keep fighting, keep fighting, keep battling, keep your faith. And in Jesus' name, we're going to pray you through this and overcome. We stand with you in these moments, and we love you. So take your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, because I can't think of a better way to finish Ephesians. And when Paul writes this letter, and when you think about what you and I have to work through in this generation, here's your word. Here's your word. Are you ready? Because when you look at it today, this is like the great conclusion to Ephesians chapter 6. It doesn't matter what you're battling today. It doesn't matter if it's sickness, financial challenge, relational challenge, internal challenge. It could even be your pride and your self-sufficiency. You think you've got this and you don't need a word from God and you don't need a touch from God. You're too good for God. It doesn't matter what you're battling. You're battling. You're battling. There is a battle that is happening against you as a creation of the Father. It is happening against you. And it happens every single day. And if you love Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to enter into your heart, to forgive you of your sins, to become your savior, to repair and cleanse your soul, then you especially, my brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever you come from, wherever you are, if at any point you have turned your heart and your faith to God, through his son Jesus, then I have to let you know there is a war that is going on against you. You have a target on your back. And the crazy thing is, is that so many times we think the target is because of a person or a sickness or a group or an agenda Or something else other than the one who's really out to get us, the devil. The devil and all of his angels, our enemy, the enemy of Christ, and the enemy of anyone, especially, specifically, and very clearly, who claims the name of Jesus. Back to Ephesians together as we read. I'm going to back up just a couple of more verses. 
where we left off last week, and then we're going to finish the chapter, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. So here's your challenge today. Here's what Paul had to write to Christians then, and he has to remind us as Christians today. God will use this in our lives today. And this is the word, finally. In other words, the last thing you need to know. The most important thing that you need to know. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. What a great reminder today. Because the strength of humanity is limited. The strength of our knowledge, the strength of our bodies, the strength of our abilities. It is great and it is glorious and it is beautiful when it works. But boy, it causes a lot of chaos when it doesn't. It causes a lot of questioning. What about this? Well, I thought I had this. Well, I thought this was going to cover this. Well, I believed this. And they said so. And they said so. And this person did this. And then it all doesn't work. Why? Because sometimes we put our strength in the hands of humanity. We put our best efforts and our belief in the hands of people. And Paul says, look, that'll never work. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of of his might, put on the full armor of God. You only put on armor when you're in a battle. You don't put it on just for fun. You put on armor, you put on a uniform, you put on an outfit, you put on your sporting apparel when you're going to do something. Something that's meaningful, something that identifies you. Well, as a Christian, Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Let that sink in. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, you will be able to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, the good news of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And with all prayer, and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all of the saints. And pray on my behalf, says Paul, that the utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For which, and he reminds us, I am an ambassador in chains, not in a palace, but in chains, that in proclaiming it, what is it? The good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, that in proclaiming what matters most, basically, I may speak it boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. 
Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, he'll make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Do you ever need your heart comforted by someone who's encouraging, who builds up your faith? That's what Tychicus was supposed to do. And then Paul says, peace be to you. Peace be to the brethren, the sisters, the brothers, the family. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus with incorruptible love. These are the last words of the Apostle Paul as he writes this letter to the region, to the area, to the Christians around Ephesus. And he encouraged their hearts, and we've walked through that letter this summer. If you've missed out on that, um, feel free. Go back and read the book. Go back and go through the verses. Surely go back and look online. The messages are there for you. Um, This book is a wonderful book that helps us understand how important it is to know Jesus, how powerful it is to know Jesus, and how to battle in this world when things are just a little challenging, right? Today I want to talk to you about the full armor of God. And here's the life lesson. Only, only the full armor of God can protect us from the schemes of the evil one who constantly wages war against us. Only the full armor of God can protect us from the schemes of the evil one who constantly wages war against us. Do you know what the devil's greatest tool is? I mean, he has a lot in his toolbox. He uses them uh, quite frequently. And, And usually when we think about the devil, we think about our temptation. We think about our area of weakness, you know. Um, sometimes we deny it, but usually we think about it. Maybe it's, maybe it's alcoholism or another substance. That's the temptation. So the devil puts that in front of us and it pulls us in. Um, maybe it's um, lust or some other form of immorality. And therefore that's a weakness and the devil puts it in front of us and he pulls us in. Maybe it's greed. Um, and therefore with greed, you want more, you want more. And so therefore the devil puts it in front of us. We fall temptation to it and we give in. Um, maybe it's anger and hate. And so because of things in your life, um, the propensity is the devil puts something in front of you and therefore anger and hate takes over and you get pulled in. Do you know what the root of all of those is? You know why the devil is so good at what he does? The root of every single temptation that you and I would face is deception. It's deception. It's not the apple. It's what's behind the deception to get you and I to reach out and take whatever that apple is. He's a liar. Now, when you think about it at the end of the day, deception is such an interesting thing. I have been deceived deeply at times in my life by people that I believe so much in. Uh, Perhaps at times I know that I believe so firmly in something that I've been a tool of the devil and been used against others as well. Um, I've believed in other circumstances, belief systems in my life as a human, only to find out that information was wrong. Deception is such a fascinating thing. It's not always that other people are deceiving us, making them the enemy. 
It's not always that we are just deceiving ourselves because we want something so bad that we just can't see the truth about that circumstance. Behind every bit of that is an author of deception who gets us to see things, believe things, and then do things that are divisive and destructive every time. And if you don't think that's so, it's one thing to take a short look at your life, which we all have to do at some point, and realize, wow, I didn't see that. I was blind to that, even in my own life. Or to look at the world and see that even in our world, there's a lot of division and divisiveness and destruction and discouragement. Behind all of that is an enemy who wants us to believe that we are the enemy or that you are the enemy or that they are the enemy or that that group is the enemy. And only you, listen, only you as a child of God saved by Jesus and a member of his church, the body of Christ, only you have the opportunity to truly know who's behind it all, and who's against everyone. You have a target on your back as a Christian, but guess what? Everyone else has that target too, because deception is the name of his game. To deceive us, to cause us to deceive ourselves, and deceive others. Deception is the name of his game. One of the things that I say often when I think about the work of the devil is, this is a game that he's been playing since the beginning of time. He's been playing it since the beginning of time. He's really, really good at it. How do you perfect your craft, whatever it would be? You work at it over and over and over again. Eventually, you become an expert, not perhaps because you got a degree, but because you worked at it, you practiced it, you got better. And over time, you became the one that people looked to, the expert. Well, guess who's the expert at deception? The devil is. He's constantly working to get us to think things, believe things, and do things that are anti-Christ. They are anti the ways of God. They are anti our Father. That's his goal. The Bible says in John chapter 10, the enemy, the devil, he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. Does that sound really good to you? But he's so good at it that he can do it without us knowing it. And he can use any force that he wants to. He's behind anything that will cause you to lose your faith, to lose your direction, and to lose your life. That's what he does. He's behind it all. He's been doing it since the beginning, and he's gotten really good at it. What hope, then, do people have? What hope? do you have as a Christian? How in the world can you win that? And the Apostle Paul says, let me tell you how. You can. And it is the full armor of God, the armor that you would put on for battle, that when you gird up with it, you can understand, see, and defeat the schemes of the devil, that you as a mortal Come on now, Christian. Come on, child of God, filled with the Spirit of God. You, as a human, can stand against the schemes of a force so wicked and evil and strong, and yet you 
can stand against him. Well, how do we learn to do that? How do we learn to do that? Paul gives us several things that help us understand this battle. And I encourage you to write these things down. Now, I'm not going to dive too deep today into each piece of armor. But they're there for a reason. And I'll point them out in just a moment. But I am going to give you some things that I know will help you put on the armor as you think about how to do battle every day. Um, don't think it's not a battle out there. <laughs> it is. And when we recognize who's behind it, we're better able to stand against it. Number one, it's a daily battle. This battle is a daily battle. It comes against you daily. Do you ever wake up and have good days? Yeah. Some days things just seem to go right, you know. Um, I was listening to a song by Bill Weathers, uh, you know, this morning actually, and said, it's going to be a lovely day. Anybody know that song? It's a great song. It's a classic. Sorry, I'm going back in time, but it's a classic, you know. It's going to be a lovely day. Some days are lovely days, right? And then some days all hell breaks loose, doesn't it? <laughs> some days you wake up in a positive mindset. And then some days you wake up and it's all wrong. You know, it starts wrong. The thoughts are wrong. The attitude's wrong. Some days you have a good day and then you, something goes wrong at the end of the day and, and you end the day on a sour note and you're like, oh man, I just need to go to sleep and start over tomorrow. And then some days you start off sour, but you overcome and you win. You feel victorious some days. How do you make that daily battle more consistent? How do you, how do you make each day more of a victorious experience than one that is a defeating experience? Well, Daily taking up the full armor of God. Daily. Being able to daily recognize that the battle that's going to come against you each and every day, each and every day, that battle is one that you have to prepare for. And to go into battle unprepared is to get wounded, is to get hurt, is to be on the side that's taking casualties. But to go into battle prepared, to go into each day prepared, it's one of those moments where you go, okay, I can stand up to the evil of this day because I am prepared to battle the evil one. Not people, not, not putting on someone that ultimately is behind what may be wrong or divisive or destructive, but recognizing somewhere in the course of this day, that devil's going to be deceitful, tricky. He's going to work against me and I need to battle. How do I battle? Daily, 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 I have to put on the full armor of God. The Bible talks a lot about days. And a matter of fact, in Ephesians, he talks about the fact that the days are evil. In each and every day, there's going to be something that comes against you that is evil. They're short. They're never long enough. Life is short. It's never long enough. But to make it through each day victorious in your lifetime, overcoming and not being beat down and discouraged and defeated all the time, it means that you have to put on the armor of God daily. One of the fascinating things that's always done about people who are successful in business is a study of their habits. A study of the habits of people who are successful, who are running some of the bigger companies in America. Now, there are those who are haphazard and lackadaisical in their patterns. But even in unbelievers, you will go and look and you will see the habits of highly successful people usually involve some type of early morning preparation for the day ahead. They're not just jumping 
out of bed and running with the day. There's some type of preparation for the day ahead. For you as a Christian, daily preparation for your day ahead is paramount because it's a battle in some capacity or another. So daily preparation would be each day making sure that you have time with your Father in heaven, that you have time to prepare your heart, your soul, your mind, and prepare your body for the day ahead. And therefore to do that, putting on the armor of God. That is a daily process. Number two, this is an active battle. It's not just a daily battle, it's an active battle. Most of the time we go through life passively. We'll just let it happen. We'll just believe that maybe it's predestined and therefore God's just all going to work it out. And so I'm just a pawn in a game and therefore it doesn't matter what I do or what I say or how I live. It's all going to work out. That's how some people live. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that it is an active battle and it's coming against you constantly. It is happening. It happens in our minds. It happens in our bodies. It happens in our flesh. Things that happen to us, that's a part of this battle of life. And yet, why do some people overcome in great battles where the odds are stacked against them, where it doesn't seem that they should, where everything says it can't happen? Why are there walking miracles? I know many of them even in this church. I know many of them even right now. People that genuinely, and I'll say to them, you're a walking miracle. Why does that happen? Because the battle is not really flesh and blood. Surely we're not going to live forever. I get that. But while we do live, we are victorious. And we are victorious because we suit up with the armor, with the protection, with the weaponry that God gives us to overcome an evil one who has stacked the deck against us every time. And therefore, we have to recognize I can't passively approach this life. I can't passively approach the day. Now, do we do that sometimes? Absolutely. You wake up late. You wake up tired. Um, you're running behind. You're trying to get the kids together. You're trying to get to that appointment on time. you got to get from here to here. Hey, look, I know. That's my life. That's my schedule. And sometimes we passively will go about that. But we're never victorious when we passively do it. We're victorious when we're active in the battle. We're victorious when we're prepared for those moments that come our way. We're victorious when by faith we say, God, you've got this. God, you're going to help me through this. God, you're in charge of this. And we're asking God for things that are not natural. We ask God for supernatural victories. We ask God for supernatural healings. We ask God for help on behalf of others. And we don't do it flippantly. And we don't do it just because we're religious. We do it because we're active in the faith. And to be active in putting on the armor of God is very important because it means that we're taking a moment to say there's a battle ahead, there's a day ahead, and therefore I am actively going to prepare for each of the moments that I have this day that God has given me, and I want to be prepared to overcome them. I have found even in the months past, um, even in recent challenges that we're facing, I find that the greatest challenge for me is to listen to everything else and not prepare my heart to listen to the Lord. I find that the greatest challenge for me is to react, right, instead of prepare in advance and get my mind fixed on the Lord where I can say, regardless of everything that's out there, God, I am going to trust you. And I'm going to trust you wisely, yes. I'm going to prepare appropriately, yes, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. 
I'm going to trust you to be my covering, to be my armor, to be my battle cry as I walk through these moments of life. It's an active process. So finding the way to be active in putting on the full armor of God is a second characteristic for those Christians who are successful in battling through this life until Jesus calls them home. Here's the third thing. It is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. How many times does Paul have to emphasize that your enemy is not flesh and blood? Your enemy is not yourself. So though you may be dealing with ailments and challenges and physical, your enemy is not yourself. Your enemy is not your mind. It's why he says you've got to put on the helmet of salvation. You've got to guard your thoughts, right? Um, your enemy is not the person around you that you disagree with or that disagrees with you so vehemently. Your enemy is not the other party. Your enemy is not the government that's in control. Your enemy is not that. People have been thinking this foolishness for generations. And Paul says, come on, Christians. He said it to the Ephesian church. And it's a great reminder today. Come on. Come on. Are you really going to live that base and not prepare for what's really happening? Come on, Christian. Rise up. Put on the armor of God and recognize the battle that you are fighting, especially as a child of God, as a son of God, as a daughter of God, as a member of the household of faith in Jesus. The battle you're fighting is a spiritual battle. And guess what? If you can win spiritual battles, you can win physical battles. But you can't win physical battles until you win the battle spiritually. You win spiritually first and you will win physically second. And how do you win this battle that is spiritual? This is where the armor of God comes into play. And it's beautiful. Remember earlier on throughout this season of life that many people have been going through struggle. I, I went back to the beginning, the book of Genesis. And I discovered and I shared with you how God created all of us in his image. You as an individual, as a human being, you are created in the image of God. Wonderful, beautiful, and it's okay to be human, right? It's part of who you are. But part of who you are is heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's how even Jesus describes you. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. That's who you are. This weaponry that God gives to us, this armor of God that Paul talks about, notice what he says to do. Helmet of salvation. What are you doing with the helmet of salvation? You're guarding your thoughts. You're guarding your mind. You're guarding what goes in. You're taking captive what's in there that shouldn't be, that takes you to places that are divisive, destructive, discouraging, depressive. You take hold of those. Paul talks about that in an earlier letter to Christians. But how do you do that? It's a spiritual battle, and if the enemy is battling you spiritually and giving you thoughts that can be divisive, destructive, discouraging, depressive, even lead toward death, you've got to grab those thoughts. And how do you protect your mind? You put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. What does the helmet of salvation mean? It means that your brains need to be saved as much as your soul. Think about it. Most places we go are because our thoughts take us there. And who's behind that? The deception of the enemy. You have to save your brains as much as you do your soul. That's knowledge. That's being smart. That's recognizing the helmet of salvation will guard my thoughts. Usually people get derailed. Listen very closely. Usually people get derailed in their opportunities. Whether it be career, sports, 
recreation, school, relationships. They get derailed when their thoughts take them to a wrong place. And how do you get from a place where your thoughts don't deceive you and take you off course? How do you do that? You put on the helmet of God's salvation in Jesus and you make that mind obey the Spirit of God. Nope, not going to let you take me there. Not going to let me, you pull me down, devil. I'm going to win this one. That's battling. That's spiritual. And Jesus teaches us how to do that helmet of salvation. What did you read about the breastplate of righteousness? The breastplate of righteousness. Well, we are heart and soul, right? We are heart and soul. What makes us righteous before God? Is it our actions? Absolutely not. Is it the battles that we fight? Absolutely not. That doesn't make us righteous before God. There is none righteous, no, not one, says Scripture. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, says Scripture. For the wages of sin is death, says Scripture. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Even in Ephesians chapter 2, we looked at that earlier. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that does not come from yourself. It is a gift of God, not of any works so that no one could boast. The righteousness that we have within ourselves is only, solely, exclusively because of faith in Jesus to save us from our sins, from ourselves, and from other things in this world. It is Jesus that makes us righteous, and therefore, how do you protect your soul? How do you protect your heart? You put on the breastplate of the righteousness of Christ. That is a spiritual battle. You put on the breastplate of the righteousness of Christ. You know, in other words, whatever battle, whatever attack comes at you, you know, I'm covered by Jesus, period. I'm covered by Jesus. Devil, you're coming at me. I'm covered by Jesus. Devil, you're accusing me, and he does that. I'm covered by Jesus. Devil, you're trying to deceive me. I'm covered by Jesus. And you begin spiritually then to bend your life and to battle and to stand in victory against the one who's coming against you. There are other parts of the breastplate of righteousness, the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, every day we have to have our feet ready to walk in this world. Well, how do you do that? You put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. You remember when Jesus was with Peter and Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. You remember that? And Simon Peter said, Jesus, no, that's too humbling and humiliating. You can't wash my feet. I'm self-sufficient in this. You don't need to wash my feet. And Jesus said, look, if I don't wash your feet, then you got no part with me. If I don't cover you with the gospel of God's peace, then you don't belong to me. You know, what G, you know what Peter said? You remember that? It's kind of funny. He said, dude, then don't just wash my feet. Wash my whole body. Dump the whole thing on me, please, Jesus. Cover me up with your peace, right? <laughs> I love that. I think we all would probably respond that way. But Jesus said, no, no, listen. It's good enough that I wash your feet. And that whole image of the basin and Jesus washing Peter and the disciples' feet, that whole image is about the covering of the gospel, the good news that Jesus covers you. And when Jesus covers you and you walk into this world, 
you're at peace with God. Isn't that good? That's a spiritual battle, and therefore it's a spiritual part of your walk each and every day. Naturally, he talks about the sort of spirit in Scripture. Most of the challenges that we face as Christians is that many people don't spend any time in the Word of God. So you don't have any offense if you're not spending time in the Word of God. <laughs> There's no way to fight back if you don't have the truth, the salvation, and the Word of God in your life to say, well, this is what God says about me. This is what God says about the world. This is what God says about this circumstance. And you're able to fight back when you have that. The shield of faith, you're always being shot at, right? But the shield of faith is, God, I'm going to trust you in the midst of all of this. It's all there importantly, and I know that you can read it, but I share with you this last thing. It's a vital battle. It's not only a daily battle, an active battle, and a spiritual battle. It is a vital battle. It's vital in two ways. Number one, the obvious. The obvious is all of the armor of God covers your vitals. All of the armor of God covers your vitals. Your mind is vital, and therefore how we think is vital. To battle deception... You have to have the right kind of thinking to battle and to determine and to be wise and process where's deception coming from. It's important that we guard our hearts, right? That is a vital area. Your heart determines your health. Your soul determines your relationship with God. And therefore, it's vital. It's a vital area of who you are. Your body is vital. Your flesh, how you use the gifts and abilities that God gives you is vital. So... Having certain parts of your body functioning the right way, yeah, that's vital. All of these things cover your vitals. But here's the second area of why this battle is vital. Christian, son of God, daughter of God. It's vital that you fight it. It's important that you fight it. Because if you don't, no one will. If you don't, you become a casualty. And usually when armies stop fighting, they give up more ground than anyone else they ultimately lose. Now here's what I love. For every one of you as sons and daughters, children of King Jesus, you're not losers. You're victors. And you're victorious. And it's vital, especially in this generation, that you keep battling in Jesus' name. That you determine where deception really comes from. That you don't go pinning that on other people unnecessarily. That you don't go fighting battles that are not battles that are going to lead anywhere to any victory. That's where most people get lost in life and derail their whole purpose. Paul helps us remember, what is the purpose? What did he say? I'm going to send Tychicus to you for one purpose, that you may know that even while I'm in prison, even while I'm in pain, even while I'm in chains, I am proclaiming what changes everything, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am going to bring a message, even when I'm locked up and can't get out and see you all, I'm not going to blame this circumstance. This circumstance has been given to me so that I may do what is most important for all of humanity. 
And that is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to help anyone who would listen connect to God in a victorious, powerful way. And Christian, you have to be beside me and fight that battle. It's vital. That's what Paul would finish his letter with. And then the last phrase is phenomenal. Grace then be to all of you who would love Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. That's how he finishes it. So all of these things he writes to the church as Ephesus. And then I look at that and I go, thank God we have that word. Because that helps me. That helps you put on the full armor of God. So that you and I may stand against the schemes of the devil. We can check those thoughts at the door. We can extinguish when he's rearing back that bow to peg you in the vitals in the area that you're weak. You can pull up your shield of faith and go, not today, devil, right? You're able to say, the word of God says to me, so I'm going to fight back against you. You're a human, a child of God, and you can do that? That's what happens when you put on the full armor of God. So my prayer for you today is in light of everything else going on in this world, and even for those of you who are battling in your physical body right now, things that are beyond the full understanding of human minds. Put your faith in Jesus. Trust firmly in him. And fight by faith until the day he brings you home. Because I know that the children of God who trust in Jesus, they're real warriors. They're battling a spiritual enemy. And the Bible says... You can stand and you can overcome. Can you bow your heads with me and let's pray together? Before I pray for you with heads bowed and eyes closed, and for those of you online, I want to give you a genuine opportunity right now in a moment. Perhaps you've lived your life, you've done it your way, you've lived according to all of the things that you know in this world, but you have never humbled your heart and surrendered your soul to the victor, to the one who can save you, to the one who is more powerful than any, to the Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He came to this earth and he did miracles. He lived a perfect life. He came to this earth and yes, he died on a cross to take away a spir spiritual sin burden that we all bear. And he opened up the door through his death for us to go into a relationship with God forever into heaven. He proved that by coming back from the dead. Who can do that? Jesus, the Son of God. Immortal, he did that. And when you place your faith and your life in the hands of Jesus, you ask him to come into your heart. By faith, you trust in him more than anyone or anything else. You ask him to save you, to cleanse your heart, to forgive you of your sins, and to change your direction. When you turn your heart and your life to him, he will do that. He'll make you a son, a daughter, a child of God forever. And then you get to battle victoriously, overcoming forever as his son, as his daughter. If that's you today and you've never done that, then I just want you right where you are to say, Father in heaven, from the bottom of my heart today, thank you for loving me. Thank you for creating me and making me who I am. And in the midst of this world, I now see I clearly need a Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. 
Jesus, will you come into my heart? Will you cleanse my soul? Will you give me a new pathway and a direction? Make me your son. Make me your daughter today. Make me your child. And by your Holy Spirit filling me right now, I choose to follow you. Lead me into victory. That's your prayer today for the first time and genuinely, authentically from your heart. Then that means something between you and God, so don't stop there. Now grow in your faith. Connect to a good church, this church, and let's continue to walk through this life together victoriously by faith. Father, I pray today for every Christian, every person, every individual. You know them. May they put on the full armor of God so that they may be able to stand against the evil one. May they realize that their battles are not against flesh and blood, but they are spiritual, they are active, they are daily, and therefore they are vital. So will you help your sons and daughters to stand in this generation? God, grow your church, grow your family. Use this time to reach more people for salvation in Jesus. And we commit to staying in the battle because it's that important. God, I thank you and I pray you'll protect every person right now that I'm praying for in this room and online. God, I pray that you will provide for all of them and you will continue to show them the way against the enemy. Show them the way toward victory in their lives. And I pray for these things supernatural and miraculously because you're God and you can do it. It's in the name of Jesus that I thank you and I pray. Amen. I'm grateful that you are here today and there are a lot of good things happening. Let me encourage you to continue to remain faithful in your stewardship, in your giving of your tithes and your offerings. There are so many good things ahead that as you're able, for those of you that are in that moment and you're trusting God by faith to continue to give, thank you for doing that. As you can see, it's making a huge difference. We're going to talk more about that in the days ahead, but your faithfulness has been huge. Tomorrow, a lot of you are starting school. We start school here at Calvary. You're a part of that ministry, so pray for the children around our community and in this school. What an exciting time. And then next week, as we get ready to go all in on helping you all connect in community and grow in God's Word, it's a wonderful time. So I'm going to ask Pastor Bo to come and share that with you. What a great part of our vision being accomplished as we continue to battle forward in Jesus' name. How many mics can I grab, right? It's not always, by the way, I, as serving back there in my previous, it's not always so easy what they do every Sunday. Y'all realize that? Making all this stuff work. Thank you guys for what you do. I know that's sometimes can be challenging, but all that being said, this week is exciting and I want to give you some perspective on all in. All in means that we are going all in here as a faith family next Sunday morning. Sundays are important. They've been important since the Christianity was started. And Sundays here at Calvary 
are important. And so you want to make sure to note that at 1030, worship will be in here, 1030 a.m. So make adjustment. You heard Pastor reference that earlier. And then this 9 o'clock hour, I want to help you understand what's going on. So uh, a majority of our groups are shifting to 9 o'clock. Primarily, if you are a family in the room and you have children, it's going to be really exciting because come September, so we're going to start with a few weeks on community in study, but we're moving to this Gospel Project study in all of our groups. Um, what Gospel Project is, is a chronological study walking through God's Word, understanding the themes of Scripture based on Jesus Christ. And what I'm excited about is at 9 o'clock, our children, our students, and our adults will be walking through the same Bible study, each tailored a little differently for the age groups. But moms and dads in the room, as you come on campus at 9 a.m., your child, your student, they'll be walking through the same themes, the same verses, the same Bible study. And when you leave here together, you can actually discuss it at home and take the next step by asking your children what they've been going through. And so I'm really excited about that opportunity to get in line with this three-year study from LifeWay. It's going to start in September, but these first few weeks are going to be designed so that we as a community learn one another. Because for the most part, as we've been online this whole last year, all of our groups are starting from scratch. So it's really exciting time. If you're new to church, it's a great time to jump into groups. And so today what I've designed is back here by the welcome desk, there's a black tablecloth back there. My group leader is going to be kind of hanging around back there with me. If you've got any questions on groups at Calvary, if you're new to this, um, I would love to engage with you, help you jump into community, be ready for next week. Hey, listen, if you've got to go today, you don't have time to engage, just come at 9 o'clock next week. I'll get you plugged into a group. Not a problem. But if you'd like to know a little more about it, I'll be after church at that table along with some of the group leaders. You can meet them, get to know them, and then we look forward to a great launch next week at 9 a.m. There's more things coming, by the way, but this is just a taste because really we want to make sure next week we start off strong. In the midst of what's going on, we'll do our best to have the right protocols, safety measures in place, but we're excited to take some steps forward here at Calvary by Faith and jump into this new study, which I believe will help our entire church family be strategic in their Bible study. So as you hear about the armor of God today, let me encourage you. One great way to put on the armor of God is to jump in his word, jump in relationship, and become more a part of the family here at Calvary through Calvary Groups. So I'm excited for that for you. And if you have any questions, I'll be around after church. But as we leave today, why don't we stand together and why don't we pray together? Because I know as we leave today, not only do we have things going on here at Calvary, but you've got things in your life that may need just a little prayer. So why don't we pause as we leave today based on what we've heard from the Word of God and ask God to go with us as we fight the battle this week, the spiritual battle as you heard so greatly put today, and ask God to help us as we fight those battles together. So would you pray with me and then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you so much that you give us armor, that you protect us, and that you help arm us to fight our battles each and every day. God, I pray that we would take the words that we've heard today, and God, we would put them into action. God, would you help us not fight this week against flesh and blood? Help us to see the spiritual things you are doing. Help us to fight the spiritual battles before us. And God, I pray that you continue to use a people called Calvary Baptist Church in New Orleans to make great impact 
and to be a light in this city for the days to come. Thank you for what you're doing here, and we ask you to go before us as we leave today. In Jesus' name, amen.